Good morning. So good to be with you this morning and to just look into God's Word together. Um, just want to also thank you, take a moment to say thank you for your uh, flexibility during these very difficult times. As a church family, we're scattered. There were a whole group of us on the lawn a little while ago, and I would certainly encourage you when it's appropriate for your life circumstances to join us. We are very careful with the social distancing and health concerns. And until that's appropriate, I would encourage you just to continue to gather with us um, just exactly the way you're doing. Some of you have joined us from all over the place. We're so glad that you've joined us. And um, we just encourage you to keep following Jesus and keep uh, being flexible with what that looks like as far as gathering for worship uh, for as long as this season of pandemic continues. Um, but just grateful for the team, grateful for the family that God lets me be a part of and for the way that we're able to just keep, um, keep on keeping on. God's got things for us, and uh, he's, he's not going to let us go. So thanks for being a part of that. Uh, this morning, I'd like to encourage you to think um, with me. Picture yourself as a caterpillar. Uh, I know that's kind of an odd thing to think about, but um, see if you can do that. You can see yourself the garish kind of neon colors and the um, hair festooning from every part of your body. And uh, the body itself is, well, shall we just say um, overly plump. Probably for some of us it's easier to imagine that than others. But um, imagine that you are um, undulating your way down the main stalk of your little caterpillar city when you come across a sign that says makeovers. Discover who you really meant to be. You can be beautiful. You can soar. And in the print below, it says shed that extra weight, the extra hair, the ugly skin. Come in and let us show you how. Well, with more than a little bit of curiosity and excitement, you open the door and walk in or glide in, and uh, there's a young monarch behind the counter who's only too eager to share with you exactly how you can become like he has become, and uh, shows you picture after picture of beautiful butterflies. Some of them are in flight, some of them are perched on uh, flowers, but all of them are stunning to you. Your own colors seem to clash and glare, and they are just as bright and beautiful, but it just seems like a, a, a kaleidoscope of, of wonder. And um, they have these sleek bodies that are flanked by these sails that glisten in the sunlight, and they move ever so gracefully and soar so beautifully. And you think, ah, that's, that's for me. That's what I want. That's what I want. And um, then you look at your own body, and you think, wow, you know, um, the leaves have, <laughs> have started to groan under my weight, and my girth is, it is impressive. Uh, how did I get this way? I, I don't understand. I only eat salad, and yet here I am. And my colors, that neon green and bright orange, just glare and 
clash. I'd love to be like the pictures. And then with a flourish to finish off the deal, the sales representative flits into the air and out the door, and your eyes follow in that great arc that he flies as he comes back into the room and alights ever so graciously and and, uh, elegantly at your side and said, wouldn't you like to do that? And you think about your trudge home on your 16 aching feet. And you say, oh, yes, yes, I would. Yes, yes, yes. Sign me up. What do I need to do? And then that's when the fine print comes into place. You see, each one of those pictures of those beautiful butterflies that you admired has an asterisk that points you to fine print at the bottom that says, this can be you if... Caterpillars live 21 days before they cocoon. And they're in cocoons for 21 days. It doesn't seem like much from our perspective, but that's an entire lifetime for them. And the fine print says, this can be you if you will take an equal amount of time that you've already had in your life and that you will weave yourself into this confined prison. Hang yourself upside down, vulnerable to anything that might come along completely unable to defend yourself and wait, unable to move. And then your body will slowly dissolve. It will dissolve itself until you turn into goo so that you can be refashioned and come out a beautiful butterfly. That's the fine print. I imagine a lot of sales presentations go thud about then. Now, my um, little parable may strike you as whimsical. It may strike you as winsome. It may just strike you as bizarre. But there's a real reason for it. It's a pointed connection between us and the parable. Because you and I are very much like the caterpillar. And we have a choice that God gives to us. He says, I've actually created you to be beautiful and to soar. But the journey from here to there is going to seem like forever. And it's not going to be easy. And you're going to have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You're going to have to be woven into a life that is sometimes constricting in ways that you wouldn't choose. You're going to have to let me turn your life upside down and leave you feeling exposed and vulnerable, and there's actually going to be times when I have to break you down, where I have to dissolve your hard heart and your stubborn ways so that I can remake you. That's a hard place to be. But that's what I offer you because I want you to soar. I want you to be beautiful. I want your life to be transformed. And like our theoretical caterpillar That's a critical point. It's easy for us to let God's invitation go thud and say, no, thank you. Much to our great loss. Others of us will say yes, at least for a season, but then in the end, we may bail out. There's a reason that 
Our passage is found in the scripture because one of the earliest challenges the people of God face in their journey is, am I going to stick this out? Am I going to continue to do what I'm being called to do even when it's hard? So if you want to look along with me in Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I want to ask the question this morning, are any of us at risk of of giving up? Because all of us find ourselves sometimes, there's a reason this is here in this book. In fact, this is one of the two first books, the best we can tell, that were written to the church of God. From the very beginning, people have wrestled with this. The other book that was written around the same time puts it this way, count it all joy when you fall into these hard times, because that's when God does his best work. That's my loose paraphrase. You can look it up for yourself in James 1 and get the specific context. But from the very beginning, there's a challenge that when things are hard, we want to give up. And God is saying, whatever you do, don't give up. Don't give up. Profoundly, our lives are shaped by that simple choice. Don't quit. That simple choice changes everything. I was working in my um, files earlier this week, and I came across a number of Uh, encouragement letters and things that I'd gotten over the years. And as I was looking through those, some of them were still encouraging and some of them were actually discouraging. There was one from a friend who was encouraging me for the role that I'd been able to have by God's grace in his life. And I was thinking about this friend because it was uh, not terribly long after that season that he turned his back completely on God. He apostatized. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't follow Jesus at all. What a tragic thing. He lost heart He grew weary in well-doing, and he gave up. Another letter was there from somebody I was trying to encourage and help through a difficult time, and he was wrestling, and he was struggling, and, and it was going well. God was helping him, and we were having conversations that were fruitful and encouraging and good times of prayer together, but he was wrestling his way forward, and somewhere along the way, he got tired of that. He grew weary, and he gave up, and the person who wrote me that letter is gone, dead. And it was the life of sin that they abandoned Christ for that directly led to that death. I was having a conversation on the phone recently with somebody I'm trying to encourage and they've been married maybe 15 years and it's going tough. Marriages have hard times. And um, this person said to me, "I, I know for me divorce would be a sin. I know that's not what Jesus wants, and I don't want it either. But I don't see how it can work. I was struggling to find a way not to quit. Maybe you find yourself in a similar circumstance. Some of you, maybe your marriage is really hanging by a thread. A thread's enough because God's a mighty and miraculous God. Will you give up? Or will you continue to pursue the good that God's calling you to. Some of us maybe find ourselves struggling to continue in another relationship, a friendship, where the friend just keeps messing up and keeps messing up, and I'm done. I'm ready to be done, and yet God hasn't released you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of us, maybe it's our character. Maybe it's we have guarded our integrity 
through all kinds of challenges, and it's just, we're tired, we're weary of that, and we just want to give in. Some of us are ready to give away our purity. Some of us are ready to give away our honesty. Some of us are ready to stop our witness because it's hard. Others of us are ready to start railing. We've guarded our mouths. We've guarded our tongues. We've not sinned. But the stuff that's going on around us is infuriating. And the things that are happening to us are driving us crazy and we just want to lash out. And we're faced with the question, will we quit doing good because it's gotten hard or will we continue? For some of us, it's the mission, the assignment God's given us, whether that's the role that we play in a relationship like husband or wife or parent, whether that's a job that we have or a ministry that we have or a witness that we're sharing and it's hard and we're tired and we're ready to be done but God hasn't released us. We're told don't don't quit. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. In fact, that's really the primary point here of this passage. Let me read it again to keep it fresh in our minds. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We can boil that down to a simple phrase, don't quit and you will reap. Don't quit and you will reap. Keep doing the good. Now, he doesn't define for us what the good is, and that probably gives us a clue right there. He intends us to read that fairly broadly. And if you look at the book of Galatians, it includes a lot of things. Galatians is, 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 is earlier on, Paul says, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. It's being like Jesus that he's talking about. Earlier on, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, and it's no longer me that's living. I've exchanged my life, and the life I now live is Christ's life, and I live that by faith. It's like there's a different life, a different reality about who I am. That's the good work, this Christ in me, Christ with me, me with Christ, this change from the very core of my character that flows out in a relationship that's empowered and sustained by his Holy Spirit, which is the more immediate context where Paul says, don't give in to the lust of the flesh, but instead walk by means of the Spirit and you will bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control, things like that. Character traits that then spill out in other acts and, 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 and relational engagement with others and it's very intentional when he says don't give up in doing good you will reap so do good to everyone right there's an intentional it starts with who I am and who I'm becoming and then it pours out in how I'm living and how it affects everyone around me in other words the good he's talking about really encompasses everything it is to know and follow Jesus and live on mission with him in this world he says don't give up on any of that it gets hard don't lose heart don't give up. All of that's what God wants. He's calling us to a holy relentlessness. Don't stumble at the end. Keep going. See, we, um, we need to understand that that's possible. We don't actually wear out. We sometimes think we do. We don't really wear out. We wear thin. And then we give up. 
We get tired of it and we surrender. Saying, don't, don't do that. Keep going. Keep going. And, and um, if you're in the midst of something really hard right now, is, this can seem so naive. It's like, that's it? That's the whole philosophy? That where's, the, where's the plan? Where's the strategy? Where's the magic words or the right relationship that's going to fix this? The whole strategy is don't quit? Well, it's, it's more nuanced than that, but yeah, that's the strategy. Don't quit. Yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going through and how hard this is. And maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. But let me, let me assure you, I've lived long enough that I've had to pay a pretty high price for my own integrity. I think I do. I've lived long enough that I've also compromised my integrity and seen the consequences of that. I think I do. I think I do get it. And, and I think this is, this is real. This is where it boils down to. Don't quit. Don't quit. But maybe, maybe what you're going through is something I can't relate to. Maybe it's beyond me. That's possible. Certainly possible. But I'm not the one who's saying this. Paul is. Paul who said, hey, I, I spent nights in the open ocean fear of drowning. I've been beaten so many times. I've been stoned and left for dead. I used to be the hunter, then I became the hunted. I've gone hungry. I've frozen. I've been abandoned. I've been betrayed. I'm mocked. I went from the highest of high points to the lowest of low points and am just getting started. And he says, don't quit. And looking into his face and saying, you don't understand, it's hard. <laughs> it doesn't ring true, does it? Only if, if I were to look into his face in that moment, I wouldn't find him angry and rebuking. I would find a gentle, firm resolve and a gracious understanding. I think he'd say, I see it's hard. I know it's hard. Believe me, I understand. You can do this. Don't quit. Or maybe even more importantly, if I'm struggling with is that just naive? Look into the face of the Savior, Son of God on the cross, and say, this is hard, I can't do it. What does he say? He says, yes, you can. Hanging there, beaten to the point that he's barely recognizable, mocked and shamed, and it's the social and physical pain that's really the minor point bearing the sins of the world and the reproach of the Father to be forsaken by God in some significant way. We sometimes use that language, God forsaken. That is untrue. Don't use that language. There is no situation, no place, no time, and no circumstance where that has ever been true of you or anyone you have ever known or could imagine. Even hell is not God forsaken. It is God judged. It is God condemned. But it is not God forsaken. He is still sovereign. And all of the rest of this universe and every person in it, he is actively engaged. We feel that way sometimes. That's why the, the psalmist cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus took up that cry, which was metaphorical. It was, it was talking about the emotions of the psalmist. And for Jesus, it was actually true. And he said, God, why have you forsaken me? The only place, the only time in all of history in some mysterious way where there was a God forsaken moment. It was that moment. And yet God was at work even in that moment. And through that moment, he redeemed and anchored everyone else. And it's that God who is behind this text who said, whatever you do, don't quit. 
I know it's hard. Don't quit. You will reap. I want you to be beautiful and I want you to soar and the journey is hard. I know. Don't quit. Feels like that's something only open to heroes. Heroes can do anything and they can stand by their commitments no matter what. We think of maybe the Spartans of old who defended Greek city-states while the massive Persian army was invasing, invading and, and they needed enough time to get their act together in Greece and so the Spartans took the lead and Leonidas, their commander, grew up in a culture that said you never quit. In fact, mothers would hand shields to their sons when they became warriors, and inscribed on the shield was with this or on this. Don't you ever come home in defeat. You come home carrying this as the victorious warrior, or you come home carried on this, dead, but faithful to your commitment, don't quit. And as the battle is about to unfold, Xerxes, who has this massive army that just covers the earth, sends a message to Leonidas, who has this group of 600 Spartans trying to defend a pass, and he says, give up, you can't win. He says, we will never quit. And Xerxes says, we will launch so many arrows at you, it will blot out the sun. And Leonidas says, then we'll fight in the shade. And he didn't quit. And he bought the space for Greek, Greece to get its act together and win the day. Wow, that's heroic, but that's, that's not me. I don't think I can do that. Or we might think of Winston Churchill more in our era, who once got up and gave a speech after the war was over. He was invited to speak to a group of students and his entire speech, this is basically the text, never, 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 never quit. And then he sat down. Terrible speech. Unless you knew the story of the guy that gave it. What a hero. I'm not a hero. When things get hard, I don't want to fight in the shade. And I don't want to stand against the evil of the world. I'm just trying to get through life. And it's hard. And I don't feel very heroic. Don't quit. It may sound okay. But I don't feel it. I'm not very heroic. I've been moved in my own life by a few examples. A couple that keep coming back in my mind. There's a guy named Cliff, 90-something-year-old guy at a church I used to go to. He lost most of his vision, most of his hearing, and he would still ride his bicycle to church every Sunday. <laughs> I don't know why he would ride a bicycle when he couldn't see or hear, but he did. Somehow God got him there, and he couldn't hear the sermon anyway, so he'd fall asleep during the sermon every single week, and then partway through the sermon, he'd wake up and suddenly say, thank God for Jesus, and then fall back asleep. But he was there. He didn't quit. And the longer I live and the longer my wife lives, the more we find ourselves just periodically saying, with Cliff in mind, thank God for Jesus. There it is. We boiled it down. I don't know much else. Don't quit. God's at work. Don't give up on him. 
Or there was a guy named Ray that I reached out to also in his 90s. And I was a young pastor and I thought, this guy's got to know some amazing things about following Jesus. He's got to have the secrets. He's still discipling college students and doing all these amazing things. And I met with him multiple times and I was so disappointed. There was no, there was no gem. There was no magical moment. There was no formula. And then the longer I thought about it, the more it dawned on me, wait, that's it. There isn't a gem, there isn't a magical formula, there isn't some wonderful do this and it all falls into place, it's just be faithful, don't quit. Entrust yourself to God today, this moment, and do what's right by his grace, and then do the next thing, and then do the next thing. There's no secret. The secret is maybe, if you don't like the words don't quit, let me give you these words out of 1 Corinthians 15. This is talking about Jesus' victory over death, the context, and it boils it all down to the very end. Verse 56, he says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast and immovable. Plant your feet. Plant your feet. Don't quit. Plant your feet. But the key is context. In, in Galatians, context is one who's walking in step with the Spirit. Here in Corinthians, it ties it more directly, specifically to Jesus, but it's ultimately the same reality that he's talking about. He's saying, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Christ has accomplished this, and you can live this out. Be steadfast and movable. Your labor is never in vain in the Lord. In the Lord, you have all that you need to face whatever it is that you're challenged by. I want to give up because it's hard. I get that. I know I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's not a God-forsaken moment. I told you I would never forsake you. Yeah, but I don't know what I can expect from you. I gave you my son. I'm not going to withhold any good thing. Yeah, but this is growing long and hard, and I don't think I can last I will not allow you to be tested above what you're able to bear. And if if you need out of it, I will provide a way that's filled with integrity and faith so that you can step out of it. Yeah, but it hurts. I'm, I'm crying my eyes out from the pain and the challenge and the frustration. And he says, bring that to me. Bring, bring those tears to the foot of my cross and I promise I will gently gather them up and save them in my bottle and it will remind me of you and your love and your worship of me. And it will also point to my love for you because I promise I will redeem every one of those tears for something glorious. There's nothing you will suffer that's even worthy to be compared with what I promised to do. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get stitched in sometimes. You're going to be constricted and go places you don't want to go and not have freedoms that you want to have going to turn your life upside down and you're going to feel pretty vulnerable and then I may go to work and I may literally work to dissolve your hard heart and your stubborn will so that you can be transformed don't grow weary you will reap you will be beautiful and you will soar don't quit but it's not hurrah. 
That's like carbs for the soul. Yeah, okay, I can do this. It works for a little while and it's kind of exciting and then there's a crash. It's not, let's be really strident and do the right thing. It's no, let's just keep striding. This moment, do the right thing by the power of God, just in faith. I have nothing to bring, but God, I'm not going to quit. Here I am. Help me. And then do it again. I don't have to do it forever. We, we think, oh, I, can, I can't keep doing this. And usually when we say, I can't keep doing this, what we really mean is I won't keep doing this. We don't wear out. We wear thin and lose heart and give up. Like, I don't have to keep doing this forever. I just have to do this now. Yeah, but what happens after that? Well, I may have to do it again. But don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Each day's got its own challenges. Just face them one at a time. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, chapter 6. Don't quit. It sounds like, well, that's not a whole lot of help, but actually, actually it really is when it's anchored in the power of the Spirit and the grace of God because he's the one that's going to sustain us. He also gives us two other little helpful things here in this passage I want to point out just briefly. They're not so much tools as they are perspective points that will help to sustain me in this. Um, It says in verse 9 again of Galatians 6, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. Due season. If you watched the sermon last week, John Marriott ended with, here's five things Jesus did that helped him that we can use as examples. One of those was take the long view. Right? Sometimes I feel like God is moving slowly, and the, pro- the problem is not that God is moving slowly. It's that I'm seeking too fast. I'm wanting too fast. God's moving at exactly the right speed. There's a due season. It will come about, but it's not a shortcut. In fact, the question I can ask, here's the lens or the mindset. Do I have a due season or a shortcut mindset? That's a really helpful tool if I want to not quit. You know, more is done at a measured pace long sustained than at a sprint soon abandoned. Not everything God's doing is obvious. Some things take a long time to manifest. But the non-obvious fruit of God ripens in the soil of faithfulness. Don't quit. Don't quit. There is a due season. That word season should be so encouraging because it says God's sovereign and he's in control and he's in this exact moment. Nothing's random. He's working and my choices and the things going on around me, of course they matter. But somehow at the very heart and the very core of this, God has a plan and a season and a time and he's working things out. Don't quit. Don't quit. Sovereign God's at work. Do I have a due season mindset? It takes a good life to make a good life. It doesn't happen fast. The other thing we find actually in the next verse, so then, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Second question is, do I have an opportunity or an obstacle vision? How do I see the world around me? I see things are hard, and I think that changes everything. Well, it doesn't. Hard matters, and sometimes it matters a lot. It just doesn't matter as much as I think it does. Of course it's hard. 
It could even get harder. It doesn't change the reality that God's in it. God's got grace. He will not allow me to be tested beyond what I can bear. He will never leave me and forsake me. He's got my good. He will work everything for good. I will not experience anything that is even worthy to be compared with the good he'll bring about. And everything that's going on around me is actually opportunity. As I have opportunity, do good. Do good. Continue in the growth of my character. Continue in the growth of my intimacy with Christ. Continue in the life and union with Christ and filled with his spirit so that that fruit blossoms and ripens and then intentionally live that out in the community around me and in the world so that the peace of God is spread through me. There's opportunities. As long as I have, as long as I have breath, Paul says in Philippians 1, where things look to everyone else to be going sideways, he says, no, there's good stuff going on here. God's doing something good through my imprisonment, and I expect I'll actually come out. You know, I was debating for a while. It, you know, it'd be a lot better to go to heaven, die, and be with Jesus. That's awesome. But I know there's fruitful things that he's still got, so I know I'm coming to you, right? If I've got breath, I've got opportunity. I just need to look for it and say, okay, God, what are you doing? Maybe there's something deep in me that can only be accessed through the hard thing. My marriage is hanging by a thread, but as God works with me and as I and my spouse work with him and we see that rewoven, that fabric is so much stronger and so much richer. There are things that we grow in in our understanding of ourselves and of each other and of our God that would be so hard to access otherwise. There are so many things that come wrapped in hardship that are actually for our good. Butterflies don't just spring from a cocoon. They have to be turned to goo. And God has to break down my hard heart and my stubborn will sometimes. And the circumstances can be painful. And he says, don't quit, don't grow weary, don't give up, you will reap. There's always an opportunity in front of you. If I could take the horror of the cross and make it the most beautiful thing in history, why did I suddenly get stymied by your life? Don't quit. 2 Timothy 4, later in Paul's life, earlier he says, there's opportunity, I know I'm going to live, God's got something for me. 2 Timothy 4, right at the end, he says, I finished the course. I've kept the faith. It's time for me to go. I did it by God's grace. I was faithful and I didn't quit. Those are words that often show up at memorial services and I only use them sparingly. If you're ever at a memorial service that I don't use them at, don't make anything of that. There's a whole lot of reasons to use whatever verses are being used. But if you're ever at a memorial service that I do use those at, you can know that I have a high degree of confidence. This is a person who didn't quit, who followed all the way through to the end and fulfilled what God had for them. One of my heroes, I used it at his service not long ago. Somebody who had a huge impact on me. In fact, when I met him, he was literally the most formidable person I'd ever known. Still is, really. Um, perhaps the smartest, definitely the most competent, and passionate for Jesus, and passionate to see Jesus honored in all kinds of ways, and he poured into me because of that. It was, it was 
It was beautiful. It was profound. It was life transforming. And as I got to know him better and better over the years, he would share, he was very human, he would share his thoughts, feelings. And one of the things he said one time is people kept coming around to see if he was still doing what he was doing and he and his wife were still in a healthy marriage and all of those things. And he said, I think really people are coming just to see if we're still at it, if we've not given up. I think it helps them. I think at least in part he was right. As Time went on, age was taking its toll, and he was not as able to lead, and he wasn't as strong, and things kind of, in some ways, shifted where he would lean on me more than I would lean on him, at least at times. And I remember right shortly before he passed, it was a very difficult time, and I had a point of conversation and asked him how he's doing. For the first time ever, I saw him break down because the situation was really hard, And it was hard to guard his integrity. It was hard to guard his mouth. It was hard to guard his heart. And he wept and he said, I'm just trying not to sin. It was hard. It wasn't too long after that he was meeting with his men's group. Most of the guys, all of the guys were half his age or younger. Don't remember the exact words. I wasn't there, but they were reported to me. Essentially, though, it was Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary. Guys, I don't know how much time I have. I could be gone anytime. You've got a long life still, probably. Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your kids. Be faithful to your calling. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. You will reap. Right after he said that, he had a heart attack and was carried out by the ambulance and died later that same day. What an exit. He finished because he didn't lose heart, he didn't grow weary, and he reaped in due season. I don't know what you're facing. Could be really hard. Don't make light of that. Hard matters. Just doesn't matter as much as we think sometimes. Don't quit. Take your stand in Christ and in his promises. If you need help, reach out for help. You can fill out a connection card. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to have somebody follow up and contact you. But my encouragement is that you would be found faithful. This is one of the most important commands in Scripture because it's so hard. We get distracted. It hurts. It's harder than we think, and it takes a long time. I don't like having my life turned upside down. I don't like being constricted, and I sure don't like being turned to goo. But that's what happens in a life that's transformed so that it can soar, so that it can be beautiful, and it's all done by the gracious, loving hand of God. Don't quit. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your grace. We want to look to you. You walked a hard road, and you did so faithfully. We're not glib, Lord. This isn't oorah. We've got this wired. We're so good at this. We're not, but you are. We entrust ourselves to you. Give us the grace for this next day or this next moment, and help us to be content with that. And then when the next opportunity comes to follow, may we take that one as well. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.